Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. Today we are continuing in part two of our sermon on King Ahaz. We are calling this the King Who Refused God's Help. And today is the conclusion of this great sermon out of 2 Chronicles 28. We're going to be in other scriptures that talk about Ahaz, and we are going to see many principles that have the ability to change our lives. Why? Because they change our decisions. They change the way we think. They change the choices that we make. You know, my friends, I have got a brand new album out called Sing for Joy While the Ages Roll. If you are someone that you love songs of the faith, if you are someone that music speaks into your faith and it helps strengthen your faith, then I know you would love my new album, Sing for Joy While the Ages Roll. You can order it right now at awakenedtograce.com. I would love for you to go click the store link and every product, every resource that you get from Awaken to Grace it helps us, you enable us to be on platforms just like the one you're listening to right now. So help us go further, help us go faster in spreading this glorious gospel to this generation. Order Sing for Joy while the ages roll and we will get it out to you immediately. prophesy and it's going to be a dual prophecy a dual meaning and it's fascinating verse 14 a virgin will conceive and bear a son Emmanuel has implications all the way to Matthew to the birth of Christ now understand what's happening Syria has come against him. Israel has come against him. He is in deep trouble, and he doesn't know where to go. And the prophet says to him, King, God's ready to help you. Ask him for anything you want. As high as the heavens, there there are no limits. And the king refuses the help of the Lord. Stunning. Now we go to 2 Kings. Now, remember what we said through our study. Second Kings is a historical account of the kings, whereas Chronicles, even though it covers much of the same content, much of the same characters, whereas Kings is sort of a earthly view, a historical view, Chronicles is a heavenly view. It is God's perspective of what's going on. Kings covers both the north and the southern kingships. Chronicles highlights nearly exclusively on the house of Judah, on the southern kingdom. Why? Because that's the lineage of David. Why? Because that is going to be where the Lord Jesus Christ descends. 2 Kings chapter 16, beginning in verse number 10. Actually, note verse number 7. This is how crafty the king gets. Rather than looking to the Lord and accepting the help of the Lord, he goes to the king of Assyria. And he tells the king of Assyria, if you will come to my aid, I will be your servant. And he takes the gold and the silver and the precious things of God 
and gives it as a tribute to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria says, yeah, you got a contract. You got a deal. He comes and he overthrows King Ahaz's enemies. And now, go with me to verse number 9. King Ahaz is now going to go up to Damascus to visit the king. And when he goes to Damascus, he sees their gods. And he sees the altar. And the unthinkable happens. Verse number 10, verses 9 and 10. He sends word back down to Jerusalem to the priest, Uriah. And he tells the priest, I've seen this amazing altar of these amazing gods. They have helped the people of Damascus. I want this altar built. And he sends him the specs. Verses 11 and 12, before the king even gets back to Jerusalem, Uriah, the priest who's supposed to be the priest of the Lord, who is supposed to be consecrated unto God, has the altar already built. What a high insult to God Almighty. Verses 12 and 13, the unthinkable begins to happen. The king comes, he's so impressed with this new altar that what he begins to do is he begins to make grain offerings and burnt offerings and drink offerings and peace offerings and even sprinkles the blood upon the altars. This new and unholy and pagan thing. Friends, you know what I think about when I read this? I think about the church of this generation and the wickedness that we've allowed inside of our churches. I have a great friend in the city who is a United Methodist pastor. And he was telling me just not long ago that in the state of Illinois, there is a popular United Methodist Church that literally has a drag queen as its senior pastor. We have allowed things that are unholy unto the Lord to come in to holy things. It is no different than what Ahaz is doing. I had someone ask me, are we an affirming church when it comes to homosexuality? Let me tell you, my friends, we will never affirm sin. And that goes for all sin. Not one thing. Not one crusade. All sin. All sin. All sin. Can we say amen to that? We've allowed unholy things in the holiest of places. We've, as Pastor Eric was saying earlier, we traded our righteousness for inclusion and to fit in. Let me tell you, Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. So Ahaz, I want you to watch this. Ahaz takes what is holy. And makes it very unholy. Now, 
he does something that I find extremely fascinating. I want you to look at verse 14. He does not ruin the altar of God. He doesn't even throw it away. He doesn't dismantle it. Do you know what he does with the bronze altar of God? The thing which is holy unto the Lord. Do you know what he does? He tells Uriah, I want my new altar... I want my pagan altar. I want my idolatry. I want my worldliness. But here's what I want you to do with God's altar. Set it to the north side. Put it in the corner. Keep it at an arm's length. Now say amen if you're with me right now. Do you know what he did? He took what was God's. He took what was holy. He took what belonged to God. And he didn't just discard it. He tried to have both. Now look at verse 15. Why did he want the Lord's altar? You know why? He said, let me keep it so that I might have it for guidance. How many people want the guidance? They want the help of God, but they also want to live life on their own terms. They want God, but they want their sin. They want God, but they want their own lust and their own choices in life. Are we not in danger of the same mistake? That we'll love and we'll embrace and we will hold on to our sin with all of our might. But we'll keep God at an arm's length just in case. Let me tell you, my friends. God, many of us, we treat him like a spare tire. We're glad it's there. We just hope we don't have to use it. But if we do, we got to spare. No, God will not be treated that way. Can we say amen to that? And so King Uzziah, uh, I'm sorry, King Ahaz, here he is. Listen now, listen. He is, he's been offered by God. Limitless. Ask me anything. Ask me for a sign and I'm going to show you my help and I will show you that I am God above all. And he goes, No, thank you. I'm not even interested. He goes up to Damascus. He sees their gods and their altar. And he comes down and takes what is holy unto the Lord. And he just utterly pushes it over to the side. And he goes, if I need help, I'll get my guidance over there. But until that, no, I'm going to do things on my own terms. Now I want you to go back to 2 Chronicles. And this is where I'll begin to close. 2 Chronicles 28. Now we're going to come full circle. The kings of Syria and Israel came against him. The Lord offered him help in Isaiah 7 and he refused it. He goes to the king of Assyria in 2 Kings 16 and buys the help of the Assyrians with the treasures of the Lord. And then brings their idols back to Jerusalem. And now, oh, oh, thank you Lord, I almost forgot this. Just real quick, verse 16 of 2 Kings 16. The historians make sure to note, Uriah the priest did all that the king commanded. Let me ask you a question. Are you around people that's causing you to compromise your integrity? Are you around people that is really your spiritual 
downfall? Do you remember what the priest and the 80 other priests did to King Uzziah, the grandfather of King Ahaz, when he went into the temple and wronged the Lord? Do you remember what they did? They were men of valor, and they stood up to him and said, No, king, you're wrong. Uriah had no backbone. And his sin is as great as King Ahaz. You know why? Because to permit is to participate. And his sin was just as great. Are people in your life causing you to fall spiritually? Are people in your life causing your integrity to be compromised? Get a backbone. Stand up against them. If you don't, you'll be standing against the Lord. Second Chronicles 28. Now, if you will, look at verse 22. And I want to walk us briefly through, chapter, through verses 22 to 25. Verse number 22, things are getting worse for Ahaz. That tends to be what happens when God's people leave the holiness of God and goes into the world. Things get worse. And things are getting bad for Ahaz. I'll remind you, my precious friends. I'll remind you, good news is coming next week. Join me next week. But may I remind you, not only those of you in the room, but see many people are watching online. May I remind you, there is pleasure in sin only for a season. Things will get much, much worse for you. Look at Ahaz, verse 22. Things are getting bad. And the Bible says that when... When he was in his greatest distress. What what ought we to do when we're in distress? Call upon the name of the Lord. But he refused. When he was in great distress. Someone refresh me. What does verse 22 say? Help me for a moment. Oh, thank you. He became yet more faithless. Are you as shocked as I am? More faithless. In other words, his gross sin grew in intensity. He became more faithless. Verse 23, note this. He took the gods of Damascus and he said, If the gods of Damascus help them, they'll help me. And he began to worship those gods. Utter idolatry, a slap in the face, an insult to God Almighty. And then worse more, he led the entire nation into idolatry. He led the whole country to turn its back on the Lord. Verse number 24, he then took the precious things of God. He took the remaining silver, the remaining gold. He cut them in pieces and redistributed. In other words, he stole the things of God. The holy things unto the Lord. And verse 24. Look at the last phrase. Utterly stunning. 
This man who refused God's help. This man who called on the king of Assyria. This man who built altars unto Baal. This man who sacrificed his own sons. This man who was so wicked that he removed the bronze altar and put a pagan altar in its place. And utterly, look what he did. He shut the doors to the house of the Lord. He cut the utilities shut the doors. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if you got an email from our church this week and said, Preaching Cross Church is now closed and the doors were permanently locked and the utilities cut off. Could you imagine? But may I ask you a question? See, this building is nothing more than just Sheetrock and a roof and carpet and chairs. You know God don't hang out here all week long, don't you? You know when we leave today and we turn the lights out, God don't just sit in here and think, well, I can't wait until they come back. (laughs) Do you know who the temple of the Lord is today? We are. You are. How are you doing with God's temple today? Those of you that you're considering that affair, what are you going to do to God's temple? Those that want to stay in your addiction, what are you doing to God's temple? Those who engage in gluttony, what are we doing to God's temple? God's temple. He shut the doors. On the house of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your bodies, which are the Lord's. Because we're the temple. You know, next week in chapter 29, in the first two, three verses, when revival came, you know when it came? His son, Hezekiah. You know what the word says he did in chapter 29? He opened the doors to the house of the Lord. What would happen today if we opened our lives to the Spirit of God? And we said, God, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Therefore, I will glorify you with my body, which belongs You know why this generation needs this word so strongly? Because sexual sin is rampant in this culture. It is rampant in this nation. It is rampant in the church. What would happen if we cleansed the temple? We'll find out next week when Hezekiah did it. And I'm going to have a word for many of you. Some of you come out of messed up homes. Some of you come from the worst parents. Some of you come from home lives that were so dysfunctional and so destructive. 
But let me tell you something, my friend. Hezekiah is one of the greatest kings God ever produced. And guess who his daddy was? King Ahaz. God redeems out of messed up homes. Amen? (laughs) And who your parents were isn't who you are in Jesus' name. Verse 24, he shut the doors on the house of the Lord. And verse 25, he provoked God to anger. Oh, I don't want to be that way. Oh, I don't want to be that person. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Is there anything in your life today that resembles Ahaz? Are you taking God at his word or are you rejecting the help of the Lord? Are you taking God at his word? Do you have confidence in God or are you refusing God's help? You may have a false pride today. You may have a false humility, I should say. You may have a false humility that goes, well, no, I'm not going to bother God and I'm not going to ask God for help. That's false humility. What it is in reality is pride. No, you need to take God at his word. You need to grow your faith today. You're dabbling in things of the world. You're worshiping God on your own terms and then living whatever lifestyle you desire. On the other hand, you're playing with holy things playing with the holy things that belong to God. You are supposed to be holy. 1 Peter 1. You destroying the temple. You wrapped up in addictions. Destroying your body with wrong foods. Assaulting your temple. Are you yielding it to sin rather than yielding it to the Holy Spirit. Oh, many of us are like King Ahaz. Say, Chad, what do I do? Turn from it. Turn from it. God's eager to help you. God's eager to deliver you. God is eager to show Himself strong in your life. But you got to forsake your sin. You can't hold on to your pet sins. You can't love sin and love Jesus at the same time. You can't go on your own terms and follow Christ at the same time. You'll have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. You can't stay in that affair. You can't live that lifestyle. You can't love the things of the world and love the Father at the same time, Scripture says. It's one or the other. So why don't you draw a line in the sand this morning? Why don't you say enough is enough? My sin isn't worth it. My arrogance is not worth it. My pride is certainly not worth it. Why don't you draw a line in the sand today and say, I'm forsaking my sin. God wants to make you holy. God wants you to be separated, sanctified, 
God wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit, permeate you, control you with His Spirit. But He will not compete with your sin. Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. awakentograce.com slash store.